Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ giving us warning ahead of time. Please, will we heed his warning this morning and this Advent. In Jesus' name, amen. Being distracted when there's something important we're trying to do is difficult. Not everyone is a stand-up and able to deal with hecklers. If you started heckling me, I'd do my best. But basically, at this point, we're trying to listen together to what Jesus is saying. So being distracted, if your phone beeps, all that kind of thing, it's bad, isn't it? And Advent is all about our attention. Verse 33 in the passage, be on your guard, stay alert. Verse 35, you too must keep watch. Verse 37, I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. There are two days which demand our attention as followers of Jesus Christ. Today and that day. That day, the day of his return. So verse 24 to 27 of our passage. Jesus will outshine everything for everyone. Jesus will outshine everything for everyone. Our society runs on keeping everyone permanently distracted. Can you remember the last time you heard anyone talk about Partygate? Anyone even remember what that was? Or Liz Truss? At all? Anyone mention her name? She was our prime minister, you know, not that long ago. Uh, or Saxgate, any of you remember that one? Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand. Some, there we go, yeah. oh, right, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, or Stranger Things, the Netflix thing everyone was into. Until season five, no one cares. I think I heard someone mention it once in the last few, and you probably don't even, I don't know, has anyone even heard of that? A lot of people are talking about it. Or, or Lioness Football, has anyone mentioned that in the last week? There were times where everybody was talking about these things. Oh, some people have. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. That, that one's still relevant, just about. Twitter seems to have been invented to wear out our ability to think anything is actually lastingly important. A Twitter storm is very intense for like 30 seconds, and then it's gone. Snapchat is all about the thing that you send, and then it's gone. I worked in advertising for a while and I remember us lamenting the good old days of the 70s when appointment to view was something everyone did. Because you don't get only Fools and Horses Christmas specials anymore, do you? Nobody watches stuff altogether. Everything's fragmented. We've all got the thing we're into and perhaps a handful of people who can speak about it with us. Just a handful. And every now and again, something does manage to rise above the chaos of things demanding we give them our attention. But if it achieves this, we can guarantee it's going to be forgotten incredibly fast. And on those occasions where it looks like everyone is watching, there'll be a protest vote somewhere. I mean, what is Channel 4's alternative Christmas speech about? Other than that, it's like, hello, you know, I know you all want to watch The King, but we're doing something different because not everyone likes The King. Or you know that person who said, I didn't watch the coronation or the Queen's funeral or the royal wedding. You know, someone's going to come along and not do the thing that we're all supposed to be doing. That's, that's just the way our society runs. However big it looks, it's a flash in the pan and then it's gone. 
And that's part of Jesus' warning about the one event that will hold and capture everyone's attention. The bit in different type is a quotation, a kind of mashing together of bits from Isaiah and the prophet Joel. And it deliberately mentions lights that it is actually impossible to ignore completely. All of us at least realise that it is day, don't we? You, You can't actually ignore the sun. Some people like to be nocturnal, but it's still the night and they know it's the day. So the sun and the moon, everyone has to notice. All of us ultimately set our months by the stars, even if we've forgotten how to do that now. That assures us that whatever, you know, maybe there's a conspiracy and it's actually made. No, no, I'm going to look at the stars and I, I know that they're in the position they're in at this time of year. As well as marking seasons and days, the sun, the moon and the stars often symbolise leaders of nations in the Bible. Leading lights, you might say. So think about Joseph's dream, you know, where the sun, moon and stars are bowing to him. That's one indication of this idea. So the picture of these being darkened and falling from heaven is to say even the lights everyone acknowledges will one day be outshone. Verse 26, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory and he'll send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from the four winds and from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. And I did change it there from all over the world. You see the footnote. Four winds is better because it shows us dimensions. So all the points of the compass, north, south, east, west wind, and up and down from earth all the way to heaven. Every corner, it says literally. Up, down, left, right, forward, back. Everywhere. And in Revelation, John shows everyone for this event being gathered who has died as well, so it stretches back into the past. Revelation 20, verse 13, the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead. All the images pile up to make sure we really, really understand this is everyone, everywhere. This is the one definitive event which will command universal attention and that title jesus uses his favorite one for himself son of man verse 26 in this context particularly with the coming on the clouds you can look at daniel 7 if you want to maybe look at it this afternoon just to get a sense of who that is the son of man and just a little summary the title says jesus owns being human he is the Man, his father's decided all thinking, speaking, feeling life for all eternity will be derived from and held together in him. And what's weird is we look at this attention economy that is constantly bombarding us is people are groping for a son of man level thing that we can all look at. That's the only way we're going to be together as humanity and not divided into nations and little factions within the nations. So the Olympics is founded on that kind of principle. We can be a little son of man for ourselves. 
The net zero agenda is trying to get everyone together behind something we can all agree on because it involves the whole planet. Not that that has succeeded at all, as we've discovered. The EU is the same kind of idea. We're hardwired to want to participate in something universal. But we won't take Jesus, so we settle for some pretty rubbish attempts at it. Which is why it's a profoundly good use of our time and energy this Advent to consider that the soon coming, glorious, all-powerful Lord Jesus Christ really is it for that itch inside us to join in with something that really is universal. Jesus will outshine everything for everyone. Verse 28 to 31. Jesus teaches real time now. Jesus teaches real time now. You remember real time being a really big feature of some feed or whatever? It's mostly used to impress us with how closely we can track a parcel that's coming for Christmas, isn't it? Real time measurement of where it is. It's in the depot. It's, in, it's out for delivery, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, or yet another attention trap for some live update feed, you know, minute by minute you know, that the, um, the coach has moved a few metres from whatever. You know, on, on the Queen's film, you remember that with a live feed on News 24 where they just don't know what to say, so Hugh Edwards spins it along and all that kind of thing. But Jesus' real time goes in a very different direction. He knows that keeping that day fresh in our minds is difficult because it doesn't look like he's coming any time soon to us. A huge number of people that I meet proclaim with every fibre of their being that Jesus is a fantastically low priority for them. But so is their death. So is pursuing meaning or genuine community or purpose to their lives. And it's shown most clearly by how they use their time, not what they say they believe. We're all too busy being distracted to think about that stuff. And Jesus knows that. So he draws our attention to something that is literally all around us, all the time, and asks us to just chew on it. Finish being distracted just for a bit and and look at this. Notice it and draw some conclusions. Every year, trees around us change. And, of course, the thing we're all supposed to conclude from that at the moment is, look, it's later than it was last year. Climate change. Or it's earlier than it was last year. Climate change. I'm about to make you campaign for it or buy something because of the trees. No, that's not what we're supposed to conclude when we look at it. We're not supposed to measure exactly when it is or anything like that or fret because it's different from last year or anything like that. The fact is it happens every year. And Jesus wants us to learn a lesson from something that he created to teach us. At some point, twigs that look dead will visibly change. When they do, unless we chop down the tree or spray it with weed killer, those seemingly dead branches will suddenly burst into life. It is quite sudden, actually. And when they do, that change that we can't sense now in winter, will certainly be coming. 
And Jesus says, perhaps mysteriously for us because of the selection that we've got, these things happening are like watching just one tree burst into life from February to May. So we need to refer to the bit outside our passage to work out what the these things are that Jesus is talking about. And this is important because a lot of Christians look at just one of them that we're supposed to be giving our attention to out in the world, or sometimes some story no one's paying attention to and that people seem to be covering up, and they make out, right, this is the thing. This is the real sign. And any time anyone speaks about end times as a series of events that are either about to happen, are happening now, or will happen any moment, well, we're not listening properly to Jesus. Okay, verse 30. It says these things have happened, and it implies they'll happen again. This generation just means the church, Christians, the people who follow Jesus. If we look back in the passage, there is one event that is drawn particular attention to. Verse 14 to 21, I'm not going to read through it, but it basically describes the fall of the temple in Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD, so not long after Jesus said these words, under Titus, uh, on the orders of Emperor Vespasian. Jerusalem was razed to the ground, ending Judaism as it currently existed at that time. Jesus' teaching here is a testimony for us that the role of Jerusalem as a physical centre of worship of the living God is decisively over. It is not accidental that there is a Muslim mosque on the site of the temple at the moment, and there has been since that time, give or take. So that's one event that's happened, that had to happen before Jesus comes back, but literally only one. Because all the others, verse 13, they're much more general. They're the kind of things that will happen between Jesus' words in this passage, in AD 33-ish, and his return. The teaching of the church, the teaching of the scriptures, is the whole of that period, from Jesus' words then to his return, is the end times. Forced messiahs, wars and threats of wars, earthquakes, famines, persecution of Christians, even by their own families, world evangelism, all of that happened within a few years of Jesus' words, and it has kept on happening since then. Jesus looks at those things and says all of them together are the fig tree's branches getting tender. So Jesus' real time covers thousands of years and he just says those thousands of years are the time between the budding and the leaves on a fig tree. They're squashed together. They're like a tiny moment from the perspective of heaven. When we're tempted to think this is the really important thing, a lot of people saying that about the COVID pandemic, a lot of people saying it about the war in Israel-Palestine now. When we're tempted to think that, look at the fig tree. That will help us to see how it is and how it isn't related to the time of Jesus' return. 
It shows it will come, but it doesn't show it's going to come any sooner than we thought before that happened. One thing we can be guaranteed of is, okay, it's one day closer every day that we live. Jesus teaches us real time now. Lastly, verse 32 to 37. Jesus warns us to watch. Jesus warns us to watch. So we're back where we started for that attention thing, aren't we? Another vital reason not to draw timetables or get obsessed with events in a particular country or a particular government is there, verse 32. Uh, It's astonishing to me how few people who are into all the kind of timetable and the the end times and it's going to be the end of the world, I've calculated it. Read this verse, it's just easy. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The purpose of recognising how total the scope of Jesus' return will be, learning from fig trees about the pattern of history, is so we'll be ready when Jesus does come, whenever that is. Because Jesus has given us things to do. That's the thing about the master going away. We heard about that last week with the sheep and the goats. Practical love for people who need help, especially in church. Pursuing holiness, Christ-likeness. In the down-to-earth practical stuff like money, our words, our relationships, our desires, our bodies, what we eat, how we engage with entertainment, our jobs, our morning and evening prayers, our serving in church family life. That's the really important stuff that flows from the most important event of all human history. All the predictions and the fretting about world events are distractions. Whether or not we, by accident, might have hit upon something that does have some role in whatever Jesus is doing from now till his return. One great way I heard recently to be obedient to this command to watch was simply this. Remember God all the time, every day. That's it. Be a Christian. Let Jesus' way be what we think about, what we copy, whatever we're doing, whoever we're talking to. When we sin, repent. Own up to having done it, particularly if we've sinned against someone and then sort out the consequences and turn away from that life to live obediently. Learn to say no to the passions that descend on us. Embrace and learn from the patterns of life given us by the church to help us remember these things. Like Advent, time to fast, pray, and particularly remember that Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. Every single day, we have hundreds of small opportunities to live out that God is real and he looks like Jesus. To live out that soon Jesus will obviously, to everyone, be the only show in the heavens and the earth. To long for the new creation life of that age that makes the entirety of our lives in this sinful flesh a barely noticeable blip in the adventure with Jesus and his people that will last forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us 
in obedience to Jesus to keep watch as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.